All right, welcome to King of the Cast, a professional wrestling podcast about professional wrestling. A bunch of professional wrestling fans sitting around, and we're going to discuss a topic, and we're going to decide what we think's best. Uh, and then you're going to get on Twitter at King of the Cast and uh, follow us and vote for who you think did their best and give us some feedback, and uh, we'll crown a King of the Cast in our next episode. So uh, the wrestling fans sitting around today make up our panel, and uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. And uh, with our first. Uh, panelist, and uh, this guy is uh, still trying to argue that Marty Jannetty is the better rocker, and that is Mr. Kevin Marshall. Kevin Marshall, tell oh, us a little bit about right, yourself right. and uh, how you got into professional wrestling uh, as a big as a big fan. Okay. And, uh, well, I'm Kevin. Thanks, Rick, for the introduction. I'm Kevin Marshall, and uh, I really got back into professional wrestling, I guess, when I was probably around sixth year, uh, second grade, and when I was in second grade, we kept watching the Memphis wrestling down in uh, down in the basement of my house, and uh, me and my brother used to wrestle each other and jumping off the uh, poles and, you know, doing pile drivers on each other, and then our mother would holler, of course. Then we had some backyard wrestling that uh, one of our other panelists had down there, and we were the tag team champions, the Marvelous Marshals. It was a really fun event that we used to do in the backyard and get parents all mad at us and upset <laughs> with us. We used to go to see a lot of uh, Memphis wrestling down at the uh, Rupp Arena and uh, saw Jerry the King Lawler, and all the tag teams, Bill Dundee, Dutch Mantel, things like that. It was quite enjoyable. And then we watched ICW, which would come on an old station when you had to turn the dial. And it was on Channel 62 at Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, it was ICW. That's where Randy Savage was wrestling out of, and Lanny Poffo, and um, the Poffo brothers. But it was really enjoyable. And um, that's all I've got, Rick. All right, well, Kevin, it seems just uh, seems natural then we'd uh, call up your tag team partner next uh, so he can give us a little background as well. And uh, so this is the guy, the only guy I know who thinks Kane looks better with his mask off, and that's uh, Mr. Jay Marshall. <laughs> well, Rick, thank you for that wonderful introduction. And, hey, the ball hit. That's not, that's not such a bad thing. No. <laughs> but, no, uh, just to give you a little, little background, uh, uh, as as my brother Kevin was saying, uh, we used to do a lot of backyard wrestling uh, with, like, like you said, one of our other panels here, panelists here, and uh, we always had fun beating up on each other. You know, being being you know kids, you know, preteen age, and some being teenagers, and just you know, good way to get out some good aggression. You know, with some backyard uh, backyard wrestling. But uh, even even before that, I remember being you know a little kid, and even on Sunday nights, being over at my grandmother's house. Uh, and we'd be eating dinner or something like that, and our grandfather would would turn on uh, WCW or World Championship Wrestling at the time with the old NWA and Ric Flair and and all the and, and uh, you know Dusty Rhodes and Midnight Express, all them you know and, and I just remember going, what in the world is this? It's really cool. It's really fun to watch, and it's a bunch of guys beating up on each other. Hey. I like this stuff. <laughs> so we, so we, I remember just you know sitting there and we would uh, we'd watch it and just be entertained while we're eating some eating dinner or something like that. And uh, but that that really got 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 us going in wrestling and then going to different shows uh, and then even passing it down to you know our next generations and things like that and uh, going to shows with with my son and and things and, and really watching it and just realizing that hey this is great entertainment. It's you know. <laughs> you, you got a good side, you got a bad side, you know, good versus evil, always that kind of conflict going on. And so that just gives you a little background of, of uh, where I come from. 
Well, you spoke of the next generation, so I guess that kind of leads us into our next panelist today. And uh, he's filling in for one of our panelists today who unfortunately couldn't be here. And uh, he, um, he, I'm sure he'll be around from time to time. Um, and uh, this is a guy who's still trying to figure out what he's going to do when Hulkamania runs wild on him. And that is uh, Mr. Michael Marshall. And he's going to give us a little background and uh, why, why he's a big wrestling fan. Yeah, but uh, my dad got me into wrestling, um, been to a few shows. Um, I don't remember a lot of these tag teams because they were before my time. Um, I'm very much the youngest person in the room, so yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh. <laughs> uh. So, you good? Good. You're good? All right. I'm going to salute Michael. <laughs> salute to you, Michael. Uh, well, there is a thing called the WWE Network, and I think you've had it for a while, Michael. You can always go back and look at much of these old wrestlers as you want. Um, good but, old days. You know, good old days of wrestling, but that's okay. Um, but anyway, I won't, uh, won't pick on you too much. Um, next up, we have a guy who I think is a scholar of, of professional wrestling, and I uh, always have enjoyed our discussions um, about, about the sport and about uh, the, the history of it and about the... Um, just how important it has been to us as, as, uh, as we've grown up um, and the impact that it just has in a way that, uh, that a lot of people just don't understand sometimes, but uh, people who do understand it really get it. And that's our own brother love, Mr. <laughs> Greg Hereford. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and um, why professional wrestling has meant something to you. I appreciate the uh, opportunity, Rick. Of you, When you put this together and asked me, I, I really was... Uh, really was excited just for opportunity to get to talk about something that uh, is really enjoyable. I'm reaching a point in my life where I'm kind of getting nostalgic and, and, and thinking back about some really good memories. And uh, I, at the time I grew up uh, in the late 70s, I, I would have been probably uh, seven, eight, nine years old. Saturday mornings were getting up watching cartoons, which were great. And then there were sporting events or things in the afternoon, but at 12 o'clock uh, here in, in this area was uh, a wrestling show. And it, it was just, it, it was from Memphis, and it was Jerry Jarrett's uh, group that promoted, and Kevin and Jason watched that as well, as they have mentioned. And it, it, it was just the most interesting fascinating it was a time where you know you just didn't see now today you see people that walk around and look like that and talk like that just on the street but in 1978 1979 you didn't meet people like that they were they were interesting characters and um there were interesting stories being told and good versus evil and you know uh it wasn't so much the violence as it was just the just interesting, and, and I mean it, it was. I was just captivated by it. it was must see TV at my house. Didn't know then that I was watching something that was a week later. That was being taped in Memphis live, and then Jerry Jarrett would send it out to the towns in the territory, Louisville, Evansville, and Lexington. So we were watching something a week. I uh, week later. That. Yeah, yeah, we were we were behind and we didn't know. We didn't know. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Forty years later. And I we loved it. And so I I got to know Kevin and his younger brother Jason. We lived in the same neighborhood and we became they've been great, great friends, lifelong friends, and they like this stuff too. And we talked about it. 
and uh, and we just we had our own. Oh, we came up with so many things. I mean, in our backyard, in my backyard primarily, and we um, we we uh, we we made belts out of cardboard, championship belts. We cut them out and we used uh, uh, duct tape for the silver, and we colored them. We we ordered three wrestling masks from magazines: two Destroyer masks and a Doctor X mask. And um, I borrowed. I, I took a lot of bed sheets from my mom and stuff for capes. And uh, found out things, Rick, that if you were going to be like one of the wrestlers and throw salt in somebody's eyes, it really burns. It really burns. Uh, and I got in big trouble on that. We had to rinse. We had to rinse. Uh, we had to, my mom came out there and we, we got the, the young man underneath the, the faucet in the, in the, in the kitchen. And, uh, yeah, it worked. And we would try things that we, you know, they didn't have the thing, kids, don't try this on TV. But we had more fun planning it, I think, and talking about it. And we would mimic the guys and the things we saw on TV. Kevin and Jason were my main babyface tag team, the Marvelous Marshals, which was a take on the fabulous one, Steve Kern and Stan Lane. Man, and there's somewhere, guys, Kevin and Jay, if I can find it, an audio recording we did from about 1985 or something. I wish I could find that. But uh, if we'd ever had a video camera, none of us would probably ever gotten jobs in about three or four state area because they'd say, you're crazy kids. But we just absolutely, we enjoyed it. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. I mean, nobody got seriously hurt. And I think, uh, you know, it's probably had a bigger effect on me. There's probably sometimes as many as Rick kind of alluded to. I am a pastor now. And uh, I'd be scary to know how much of uh, maybe Handsome Jimmy or Jerry Lawler interviews comes out in the sermon and delivery <laughs> style sometimes. But we, we've absolutely, uh, we just loved it, you know, and it, it was a lot of fun. And uh, the chance to talk about these things is, is just really uh, brings back a lot of good memories. So thank you. Well, thank you, Greg, and I appreciate everyone being here. I'll just go ahead and introduce myself, and uh, my name's Rick, and... I've been a lifelong wrestling fan as well. Um, probably what got me into professional wrestling originally was my grandfather. Um, he enjoyed watching it. Uh, my great-grandfather was the uh, night watchman at the stockyards in Lexington. And they used to have wrestling out there, apparently. I, didn't, I don't know, that, never went there by any means. This has to be a long, long time ago. Um, but uh, my grandfather would uh, speak, would know of the wrestlers from around this area, and in particular, the, um, like Randy Savage or the Poffos. Um, and so when he, they would show up, at, as I, when I was a little bit older, and wrestling kind of had that big resurgence in, um, you know, and he would see, I can remember and when I was in college, is that big, big resurgence of the um, uh, WCW versus uh, WWF at the time and, um, and Monday Night Raw versus Nitro type stuff. And my grandfather was still alive and well into his 90s. But if uh, Randy Savage walked out, he would say, there's good old Randy Savage. Um, so he still could, you know, still recognize him to that day. And then he'd tell me stories about the stockyards. But um and just like you all, I didn't grow up around here, though, so I ended up growing up in Lake City, Florida, and I lived in some apartment complexes, uh, and one of them named Verndale. And in Verndale, there was a, a neighbor of ours, uh, a, a couple of brothers, uh, the Baldrick boys. They had, um, had a trampoline, and uh, these are two-story, like you would probably call them condos around here. We call them apartments down there, and uh, we had placed this trampoline just below the, um, the deck of the Baldrick's uh, apart, uh, apartment. And so the uh, little deck at the top would become our top rope 
and the poles that led up to it were like our turnbuckles, and then the, the trampoline itself is the wrestling mat. Um, and uh, so there were about four or five boys around that would uh, get together and uh, try to imitate the things we had seen on TV. And at that time, it was mostly uh, probably you know uh, 80s WWF stuff. Um, you know, so somebody's you're arguing over if you're going to get to be the Ultimate Warrior or if you're going to get to be who's going to be Hulk Hogan that day or or, uh, or whatever. And uh, so we'd imitate a lot of that stuff. And I too was a, a tag team wrestler during that time. It's funny how we it, I guess tag that's what we end up talking about today, and that's probably why. And tag team wrestling was so big. And uh, my tag team partner was a was a dashing DJ. Uh, um, and uh, I was, you know, ravishing Rick. I, I guess you know we weren't we weren't quite as uh, we weren't quite as creative as you all uh, with actual new names. So we would just steal names off of the guys we saw on TV. But um, but uh, that that tag team came to a bitter end when I got uh, DJ into a uh, a really good full Nelson one time that lasted probably about forty five minutes. Um, <laughs> He outweighed me by a good probably 60, 70 pounds, but he could not get me off of him uh, until I, I just remember the match ended with him giggling uh, because he, he couldn't get me off. I probably wasn't hurting him very bad, but, uh, but that tag team came to an end. But, you know, we had a great time. We also made the belts like you guys did out of cardboard. We, uh, we would use aluminum foil to try to make them look uh, you know, shiny and stuff, and it always turned out smaller than you'd expect. Like when you were trying to make these belts out of cardboard, you draw them out, they always turned out little compared to what we uh, had imagined in our minds but um uh so that was kind of you know that and then like i said and, and when college came around and you had the big uh, monday night wars and that kind of got me back really back into it um uh, a lot and um that's kind of where you know i am today i still uh, i still am nostalgic about uh the 80s uh wrestling and, and about the then about the monday night wars and then um so I'm more likely to get on the network and watch stuff from those eras than I am probably some of the stuff that's um, since then. But I do still keep up with it, and I, I, I try to stay in the know. Um, I've been excited about some of the changes recently with um, AEW and uh, the addition of AEW and, um, and even the, res uh, the big resurgence of the young talent in NXT has uh, kind of rejuvenated some of my interest um, in the business again so it is exciting uh, Greg to sit around and talk about it and reminisce about it as it has been an important part um, you know of me growing up uh, when people hear you're you know from Kentucky and a wrestling fan and, and things like that they might have their perceptions but uh, but uh, we're uh, you know it, it who cares at this point <laughs> this point I don't care this one I, I love to talk about it and I love to that, you know, that we all have knowledge of it and, and that it's been a part of of what um, of us, you know, uh, throughout the years. So um, today, what we're going to be talking about the the, the topic um, that's been chosen for this episode is tag teams, and so we're going to um, each kind of give our idea of who we think the greatest tag team of all time is. And the point here isn't to really argue about it; it's kind of to give our our opinion of who is the uh, the best tag team, um, and have a little bit of a discussion, and uh, maybe maybe a little bit of disagreement here and there, but um, more so just kind of. Uh, give our thoughts on the topic, and then uh, we'll leave it up to the, the internet itself to give us uh, who they think did the uh, not just the best job of, of proving it, but uh, maybe swayed some people into thinking uh, that that tag team was maybe a little better than they remember, or uh, or vice versa. Um, I gotta pause for a second here and think about what I was gonna do next. Sorry for throwing uh, you off there with that. No, that's all right. No, that was a great picture. That's actually me. 
Now, which mask is that? That's one of the destroyer, destroyer masks. Destroyer masks, yeah. yeah it's and that's, you can't see it. It's a black and white, but that's... Uh, one of the belts on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's probably 1983 or 84. I don't think there's any... Uh, hopefully, there's no video of, of our wrestling. Um, I, <laughs> since, since, since technically, by, uh, by rule, I was not allowed on the trampoline. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Much less to be jumping off the balcony onto it, uh, and eventually off the balcony onto the trampoline into a two-foot swimming pool uh, uh, later on when the swimming pool was purchased. I don't know. I don't know what uh, what the Baldrick boys' uh, mother was thinking, but leaving us alone. But that made it even better. <laughs> leaving us alone so much to uh, to do such things. But man, uh, what great memories and. Um, I still get, I still uh, talk with uh, with uh, dashing DJ as he was called every now and then on Facebook, um, and we reminisce about about things. I, I once uh, wrestled a tree out of my front yard when I bought my new house. I didn't like the shrub that was there, and I pulled it myself. And in the pictures, I'm hoisting it up on my shoulder and carrying it across the lawn. And my wife was taking pictures of it because she thought it was hilarious. And uh, DJ texted back. It that reminds me of old times because uh, we used to literally tackle each other into a bush as part of the match as part of the matches like stand in front of this big bush and then the other person tackle the person into the into the bush to you know break our fall but um you know it's just uh i don't know tree wrestling never really caught on but uh, <laughs> i've heard of tree huggers but it's probably a different demographic uh, but um anyway uh so each person is going to get a chance to talk about their tag team and kind of give us the reason why they think they're the best. So, uh, um, Mr. Greg, why don't you uh, start us off and yes, tell us uh, who you think the greatest tag team of all time is. Well, I, I kind of went back to my roots, and this is not a team that I really honestly particularly liked a lot, but they they the longevity of it uh, and, and what they've done impresses me. And so I'm going with Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express. And uh, um, here's what I put. How do you measure success in the pro wrestling business? I, I don't know. I've never been involved with it officially. I just kind of enjoyed it. I think you got belts and championships would be one. Number two, I think drawing big houses and making money. It's a business. It would be something. Uh, number three, respect, love from the fans, fellow wrestlers, and others in the business and for impact and longevity. And I think when you put all those down, you can check off each one of those with the Rock and Roll Express. Belts, championships, I don't know if I want to go through all this, but everywhere they went, they held titles. Uh, in Memphis, they were two-time AWA Southern Tag Champs, one-time CWA Tag Champs, one-time CWA World Tag Champs. In Mid-South, they were three-time Tag Champs. Crockett Mid-Atlantic, they were... Some version of the NWA World Tag Team Champions several times. And they're the current ones, which is a whole nother issue there. <laughs> uh, Smoky Mountain. Uh, uh, they were Smoky Mountain Tag ch Champs ten times. And then a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know, but I saw listed that Appalachian Mountain Tag Champs, All-Star Wrestling, Classic Pro Wrestling, Golden Corner Wrestling, NWA Southwest, NWA Wildside, heaven forbid what that is, Pro Wrestling Alliance, Pro Wrestling Elite, Traditional Championship Wrestling, Ultimate Championship Wrestling, and Viral Pro Wrestling and World Organization of Wrestling Tag Champs. They just, they've held belts everywhere. Um, there was no guarantee contracts in those days, so you got paid for the fannies you put in seats. And in 1984, 
A lot of people said that that influx of new talent saved Bill Watson Mid-South. They drew huge crowds. They would, they would do big crowds in the New Orleans Superdome, where we just had the uh, college football national title uh, last week. And it was at a big card there that Jimmy Crockett came in from the Carolinas. On the rec recommendation of Ric Flair, he said, you got to check these guys out. And um, he did, and he was impressed, and he offered him a contract, and they, they left from Mid-South, being very successful, to head to the Carolinas. And uh, the crowds the crowds in the, in the Mid-Atlantic area at that time, I, I, it was kind of like with Jim Crockett Promotions had not purchased uh, time on the Superstation and where that started to become WCW, but it was in the, shortly after that. But they just drew big, big crowds in the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, there is a YouTube video. If you type in Rock and Roll Express in their prime, this gentleman, and I, I'm sorry I, I failed to mention his name, but I, he deserves a lot of credit. He put together a little video and said, if you weren't alive, you never knew the impact. And he said, when that music came on, like, well, listen, everybody, let me tell you about the rock and roll. I mean, it just, the roof went off. And it really is. You watch this video, and, uh, I mean, the people are just, like, in a frenzy. And um, they're up against uh, uh, two guys in Paul Jones's army, uh, the Barbarian and T. Joe Kahn. And, it, and I mean, the, it's just, it, it, the place is hopping. It's not a huge place, but it's hopping. But they would match up against the Four Horsemen, Russian team, whether it be Crusher Khrushchev or the Koloffs. And, of course, their greatest rivals, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, would follow them there. And people just never got tired of that matchup. It just So they, they, they set the bar real high. Um, respect and love from the fans, fellow wrestlers, etc. Man, you know, um, in the summer of 1986, they did a super summer sizzler tour with the Rock and Roll Express. Ricky even recorded a record, Boogie Woogie Dance Hall. I'm not going to sing that for you. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they had um, they had a fan club, and I saw a very funny video narrated by Tony Schiavone, which is awesome. Like fans, you can have this for 19.95. Join the Rock and Roll Express fan club. You can get a life-size poster of Ricky and Robert. You get four newsletters a year, and you get your own membership card plus the hottest new single, Boogie Boogie Dance Hall by Ricky. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> 1995, and you write to this in Charlotte, North Carolina. They had contests, guys. I didn't remember this. They had Rock and Roll Express lookalike. Win a date. You could win a date with a Rock and Roll Express. And they just, I mean, they were so, I guess, I, I don't want to sound real Trent, but they were just so over. They were just like rock stars, you know? They, they really were. Um... So the love for the fans has always been there. Other wrestlers, they're easy to work with. They'll do a great match. I mean, you know, the term, sell like Ricky Morton. You know that, and Ricky would sell. Ricky would, and I watched an old Memphis video uh, uh, YouTube from the late 70s. Ricky couldn't have been in the business for just a couple years. And it was great. I mean, he was taking some bumps, and I mean, he just wasn't laying there like a stiff. He was selling it, and... Ricky just knows what he's doing, and Robert does as well. And they're just, I think they're just loved. Um, 
And I think that's important because they're there. You know, it is, it's not only about the winning. It's just doing this together, making sure nobody seriously gets hurt because there's no, there's no guarantees. There's no insurance. Uh, probably in, back in those days. Their awards, they were the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Tag Team of the Year, 1986. They were voted into the NWA Hall of Fame in 2006. Of course, I mean, they were all over the NWA. Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2014. And I think, even though I'm not admittedly a big WWF, WWE guy, the WWE Hall of Fame, I think, will all say that that is kind of the benchmark, if you can get there, and they were voted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2017. Now, what makes that even more amazing? They never really worked in the WWE. Just a short period, and I found, I'm trying to remember what, when I found it was 1998 as part of an NWA type of angle managed by Jim Cornette, and they were just briefly, briefly. And we know how the boys in the Titan Tower feel about us Southerners is being just, well, I'm just a dub. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and how Vince doesn't care for, you know, the Southern. So for them to get that respect predominantly operating in the South, uh, I think says a lot about the respect that all the guys, all the boys and the men in the business have for these guys. And I, I the longevity, uh, they're, they're, they're groundbreaking. They've inspired Teams, the Midnight Rockers came after them, uh, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, and so many tag teams. Um, but they stand the test of time. Ricky and Robert are still believable, and they get a great reception. Uh, my friend Kevin here sent me a link this fall, said, you won't believe this. Ricky and Robert, Ricky Martin Robert Gibson won the NWA World Tag Titles. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even know the NWA comeback, but I, I watched on YouTube... Um, the, the studio show, and I, I watched the match in preparation of this podcast, it, uh, that they won these NWA world titles. It wasn't a thing of beauty, but gentlemen, they were 63 and 61 years old getting in the ring. And they still look good. I mean, they look, they look good. But let's be honest, um, how many wrestlers even live, live to age 60? Much less continue... Yeah, that's the amazing thing. They never stopped wrestling. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, they've done ind some independent stuff after WCW and then Smoky Mountain, and they had a little run there in the WWF at the time, but they, they still are relevant. That's no comebacks. They've remained active for 37 years. And if they did an average of about 150 matches a year, which I know that's probably pretty generous, a low estimate. That's almost 6,000 matches together as a team. And to, to be together, to stay together, um, to be influential, I, I just think it's, it is amazing uh, that they've done this. And they, they are both still look like they fell out of a mid-80s uh, MTV video. And they still get a great pop and a great excitement. So I say long live rock and roll and long live the Rock and Roll yeah. Express. Well, I like I like that you great job. A lot of things in there that I, I really like that you mentioned. Um, I, I like that you kind of laid out which when you're thinking about a tag team or you think about anybody in professional wrestling and how do you 
measure greatness in the business. And um, and, and so many of your points are, are, are exactly what I think of as great in the business. Sure, titles are great. And that means, you know, usually the person is going to get the title as your, your most over baby face or, your, or somebody you're trying to get uh, to, uh, to the top of the card and uh, get the fans to fans behind them. But a team that can win it over and over and over is a, is a team that the fans stay behind uh, through, through thick and thin. And I, I think certainly the Rock and Roll Express through time is a, a tag team people get behind. And then the other one is that to me it's – if you go back and you watch a tag team or, or, or just an individual wrestler in the past and then you can think of people in current wrestling or, or, or in modern uh, times that, that uh, mimic that style or that, that gimmick or, or whatever. You know, wrestling is a cyclical type business where, the, where the, a certain, if somebody comes up with a great gimmick, well, they, you're going to see that gimmick again. Um, and you've seen people emulate the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, you know, what I would consider almost carbon copies in the Rockers. And then, um, but, and also seeing that, you know, tag teams that are probably still uh, living off that fact that they wrestle the Rock and Roll Express. You know, I don't think the Midnight Express gets to where they are without the Rock and Roll Express and probably vice versa. I want to say, yes, yes. Let Uh, me say that in all respect for Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry and Stan Lane, they were a big part. You know, I think they both were. Yeah. And And that's a beautiful thing of we're working together. We're, we're selling for each other. We're getting and and fans love those matches. Think how many matches they had all across the the country in the world, you know. And so right, and I think that great. every babyface tag team needs that heel tag team to, to put them over. And um, when you have two that lasted the you know test of time and, and match after match, and people could could buy into the storyline for for match after match after match and still be into it, that shows the the work those guys were putting in and. Um, and you know, and, and the fact they are the top of the game, and then stay at the top of the game as long as they did. And um, you know, while you know while they do hold titles now, I'm not sure NWA is at the top of the game, but certainly um, to be out there, you know, I I don't even hope to be at 60 plus doing uh, what those guys are doing. And um, it is unbelievable. So certainly that's a great one. And I and I feel like um, you know it's unfortunate that in in this panel no one chose the Midnight Express because that would be a fun one to throw to right now. Someone. <laughs> Who was uh, going after the Midnight Express, and that was one that in my head popped around as I was as I was thinking about it. Great tag teams of all time, and I've always you know been a big manager fan. I hope me too. Uh, and uh, so when you think of the greatest <laughs> man, you know in the future I'm sure we'll do one of these oh, yeah, where we yeah. think of the greatest yeah, managers yeah, of all yeah. time, and so many times those go hand in hand with the greatest tag team. I was so happy to to learn that Jimmy Cornette got to induct the Rock and Roll, Roll Express right. because you know yeah. from the things I've read. Jim Jim Cornette, although I've never met him, love to meet, hope to meet him someday, and love to hope he listens to our podcast. <laughs> That'd be point. pretty cool. Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I uh, have met Jim Cornette. Um, I I think briefly. that he got kind of crosshairs. Yeah, I would say with so. the WWE for them to let him back and that connection. I think kudos to the WWE for for allowing that, and that, that's just that's cool. Yeah, yeah I'm just glad. Great, got a question on, yeah. on on Rock and Roll Express. Just on in your in your opinion on research, just to challenge you a little bit here. Do you feel that part of of them being held back a little bit hurts their argument in this in this panel? Because you know, you know, just to kind of foreshadow a little bit, you know, some of the other teams that we'll be discussing, they were kind of behind yeah. and and lost quite a, quite a bit too um, in NWA and, and things like that. Do you feel like that's something that, that can kind of hold them back from being? Discussion. Just want to well, throw that out there. No, no, that's a great, that's a great question. Here's what I would say. 
Now, I'm going to try on this podcast not to be the grumpy old man and back in my day. But back in my day. <laughs> what takes more talent? Okay, let's think about this. To have one big event where you have a big venue, let's say forty or 50000 you sell it out, and it's a great show, great event, or, or if you have a run of, say, 15, 20 weeks where you're in smaller venues, same town, weekly. Because in these territory days, I don't know the order of this. I, I, I know Memphis, because Memphis would be like Memphis on Monday night, Louisville on Tuesday night, Evansville on Wednesday night, Rupp Arena and Lexington once a month on Thursday nights, and Nashville and Tupelo, Mississippi, and then Jonesboro, Arkansas, they go on and on and on. But the Carolinas was like Charlotte and Greensboro Coliseum. They went to these places weekly, and the people kept coming back. 10, 15,000 people. And so to me, that says consistently because you're, cause you're, you're, you're telling a story. They want to come back next week because, man, we own the, the rock and roll. They almost won those belts or they almost got that cornet. And see, that's the, that to me takes the uh, incredible amount of talent to keep them coming back consecutively. Robert Gibson said on one of these shoot interviews, and I, I apologize for not attributing it, um, I don't know if it was kayfabe commentaries or or Hannibal, I apologize, and please don't sue me, uh, but Robert Gibson said they went nine months one stretch without a day off in Crockett promotions. Jimmy Crockett said it would cost them way too much money and lost ticket sales for him to take a day off, so they had to eventually fake an injury, so my hat's off to them guys. If they're, I'd like to meet them too. I'd, I'd like to drive and shake their hand so um, but again they weren't my favorite tag team growing up but they 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 kind of grew on me so well let's, let's kind of stay in that same i guess uh, if we're thinking about uh the eras of wrestling and, and so forth and let's kind of stay in that same uh you know general time period i mean i'm we're probably not quite exactly but uh so we're going to throw it over to jay next and he's going to argue his a uh, little bit and uh tell us his tag team and let us uh, try to decide what he thinks is the best tag team ever. Well, thank you, Rick. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, the um, tag team that I that I chose uh, was none other than the fabulous Freebirds. <laughs> so, uh, let, uh, of course, being uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, Buddy Roberts, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. Uh, just a little little background on them, of course. They. Um, they started out in 1979 uh, out of Mid-South wrestling with, with Bill Watts. So, you know, similar type of, of territory, you know, but a little bit ahead of, of the Rock and Roll Express, as, as Greg was saying. But, um, you know, they, um, well, let's just say, at, at the time, in my opinion, they were the standard bearers. They, they were the ones that came out and really, you know, Greg, Greg was talking about some of the things that, uh, that really kind of, what he thought about going into uh, deciding on his tag team, you know, I just went back to when I when I'm in my childhood, you know, when I, when I would want to watch wrestling and, and things like that uh, in the afternoons, uh, AWA wrestling would be coming on, and I remember, man, when the Freebirds were on there, man, it was awesome. That was going to be a great show, um, you know, and and so that really kind of got me. That's where I really went to with with the fabulous Freebirds, um, with. You know, looking at some of the other things, uh, I'll, I'll get into them, you know, but is, 
what what they did as far as how they prom- made wrestling better. They they did they took leaps and bounds in wrestling that people hadn't hadn't gone to before, and that's why I, that's why I, I chose the Freebirds, um, as well as you know uh, several different versions going on through. But uh, with the with the Freebirds, you know, of course, looking at their titles and everything, you know, number number of different titles. But you know, main thing is you know looking looking at, at my research. You know, we're looking at they had they held you know. Tag team championships in all types of regions, um, held, held you know different different world tag team titles eight times. Um, so that they had their eight time world uh, tag team champions uh, in different in different eras areas and things. Um, you know, even even when um, uh, when Terry Gordy uh, retired and. Um, and, and Buddy Roberts retired. Michael PSAs even even went on and ended up t- teaming with uh, with Jimmy Garvin, and uh, that's when you know and had some success with them. Um, but my main my main thing when, when it comes to the to, to the fabulous Freebirds beyond their titles and everything, um, you know, is is the fact that there's actually a rule named after them. Uh, that would be the Freebird rule. They were you know they were the, really the first ones. That they started off you know. As just a tag team, but then they, then then when they when they became a three, a, what they called the th- a three main gang, the Freebird rule came came about and allowed them to any any two of the three could wrestle at any time, as the defenders of the belt or even for the title. So, to me, when you got a rule named after you, after you, you got you you got to be named as one of the top tag teams. So that that that's you know that 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 that, that was one of my things that really brought them to the forefront of my mind. Also, uh, looking into them, they were also one of the first really charismatic uh, personalities in in wrestling. You know, you know when, when they were coming up with some of the older wrestlers and stuff, it was you know you would have some attitude and things like that. But especially Michael PSAs, he would get on that mic and he would just own the whole arena, own the whole studio, and he and that really brought wrestling into a new era. Of, instead of just being, you know, about you know the sport and grappling and things like that, he really brought the attitude and really brought it to the forefront. And so that's why, uh, you know, the things that they did for wrestling really puts them in the in the forefront of the conversation. Um, you know, and another thing that that they're that they're credited with was they were also one of the first tag teams, or even one of the first wrestlers to even to use music for their introduction. You know, they would use Freebird, of course, from from Leonard Skinner. Um, you know, and so that that was that was one of their uh, entrance musics. Um, but of course, later on, and around nineteen eighty five, all the bands kind of wanted you know had their copyrights and and everything. So a lot of wrestlers couldn't use the the actual songs. So they said, you know what, we're going to do something even better. And Michael P. S. Hayes records. Bad Street, Atlanta, GA. You know, kind of have a Bad Street versus Boogie Woogie Dance Hall. Yes, exactly. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, so so they they said, well, you know, okay, you bands, if you you don't want us to use your music, that's fine. We're going to go ahead. We're going to make our own. That that became their entrance entrance music, and uh-huh. and you know that those type of things are really what what kind of brought them to the forefront. You know, they um like, like I said, they started out in mid south, um, and then they ended up. Getting over into Dallas oh. uh, with uh, with World Class Championship Wrestling, where they had 
absolutely looking out through through history, one of the most iconic rivalries with very popular family in wrestling, and that would be the Von Erichs. Great rivalry. You you really you, if you look back, you know, through and YouTube and, and through and through history, that was one of the best rivalries going. And they had some very heated matches. Um, of course, you know, the time they had real blood and everything. You you, you had you, you had some great matches, you know, through that through that whole rivalry uh, and everything. Um, after uh, after being after at, at being in Dallas, uh, they went over to uh, the uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, affiliated with the uh, NWA, and then also with the AWA. Um, had some great runs there. In 1984, they had a brief run in the WWF, WWE now, um, and there's all there's they, they were a part of the uh, Cindy Loppers. Um, uh, rock and wrestling connection at the time, but it was it's kind of interesting that they were they were there a very short period of time, and there's some theories as to why they why they didn't last there. One of the theories is Vince wanted to break them up. He didn't like the three man tag team, and and so he he wanted to break them up into a tag team and a single, and 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 they said no, we're not we're not going to do that. So they ended up leaving. Now there's also a story out there. Which I'm kind of more inclined to to agree with is that they weren't always the best about being on time to their matches and things like that. And supposedly one of the guys that they ended up kind of ticking off and and really making upset was none other than probably the biggest man at the time and probably the biggest man always in wrestling was Andre the Giant. Vince's Vince's man and everything. They made they made Andre mad. Andre ended up going to Vince and saying, "These guys got to go. They're they're not showing up. They're not doing the things they need to." And that and so there's there's a story about them uh, out there that, that I'm sure you can find that that I think that may have led to them not having such a, a great run in the uh, in the WWF. They ended up um, uh, going back to um, to uh, and uh, going back down to. Uh, to WCW and and having a run uh, there um, at the time, uh, uh, Gordy was was looking to retire, and that's when Hayes got got with Garvin, and uh, and and they became they they started to become uh, the um, the fabulous Freebirds and and really uh, doing good there. Um, of course, uh, they uh, they were they, they were they're they're inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, which, like Greg said, is the is one of the standard bearers, um, and, and and everything. But you know, my my main thing when it when it comes to them is the fact that there's the Freebird rule, the titles. You know, not and and I also mentioned not only just the tag team titles at the time. There was also six main titles, and then and then the fact that that they were one of the first ones to use music, and the fact that they had they they, they did also have some some battles with Road Warriors and things. Um, uh, with, with a few times, and so th those were always good matches. But their their rivalry with the Von Erichs is historically, you know, one of the best in wrestling, and that's why uh, I put it out there that the Freebirds are are the best tag team in history. Anybody have any uh, questions for Jay over here about these Freebirds? I mean, um, I would like to. I was you know, one of my when I was doing my research and stuff. I started thinking, you know. Is a is a three man tag team really a tag team or is that a faction? Uh, but but then when out of 
you know, uh, when you started talking about uh, the, the the old belts, when you had the six man tag belts and and things like that, it is a was a little bit different situation at times, as well as you know nowadays, probably you know one of your number one tag teams in all of wrestling is the New Day, the New Day. and they're Freebird. using the old Freebird rule in in as to what it exactly was, and um, you know, kind of in in a time in wrestling when tag teams come and go really quickly, yeah. I'd say the New Day is probably one of your longer run tag oh, teams oh, at this yeah, point, yeah, and it's exactly. probably because of the Freebird rule. So yes, um, it keeps it fresh and uh, different. It allows some mm -hmm. one guy to go out and have a, a title uh, alone, or them all three have titles at the same time, and, and, and it does make it exciting. So you know, the Freebirds started that. So yeah. I certainly say that that's a huge impact on the on the game. And then your other point about the the entrance music, while that's not really an idea of the hand to hand combat in the ring or selling moves right. or things like that, it did have such a huge impact on the business. And that nowadays you can't imagine. Somebody coming out to the ring with no music. Oh, now, 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 right. now, now you, re you recognize the guy before he even hits the yeah. stage by his music, by the music. Yeah. Uh, and you know, that, and, that, and that's that's all. That's the big thing to get to get the crowd hyped up, and that, that relevancy really keeps them in the forefront. They right. they were probably the first big ones with that. The, um, with the music, I think they were. were the, well, the, I certainly say that, that Michael Hayes had a huge impact on that throughout his career. Jay, you know, Jay, I'm sure he's still doing Jay, that today. What did, coming what, up with ideas. What 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 did PS stand for? P.S. is actually Michael Pure Sexy Hayes. I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say purely sexy. I will say there were some, some other people that were credited with um, using music before um, but before the Freebirds. Really? Uh, that, that would be um, uh, Gorgeous George. Okay. He, he used uh, Pop and Circumstance. Um, and then um, uh, also... Uh, Kendo, Kendo Nagasaki? Nagasaki? Nagasaki, yeah. Nagasaki, yeah. He passed yeah. away last week. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, had, had, had Kendo's theme. And so uh, th those are two of the ones. Uh, and um, uh, also uh, Big Daddy's uh, We Shall Not Be Moved, something like that. Uh, so th th those were some of the things that, that, that were... He was uh, England. Big Daddy England. was UK, so okay. I so think the, here, man. You got it. Yeah, so the, 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 those Modern are three that are credited with using music before the Freebirds, but the Freebirds using, you know, using uh, Freebird um, uh, as, as their interest song. They also used uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia on My Mind sometimes, uh, depending on where, where, where they were, so you know, the, uh, right before they recorded Bad Street. I also like that you mentioned, like, when when the WWF in the 80s and the, they made their little run there with the uh, uh, rock and uh, not rock and sock connection but the, uh, oh, the uh, <laughs> with Cindy Lauper there yeah. rock and wrestling yes. uh, connection um, Captain Lou Albano and such and yep. that was a, a probably right around the first time I really paid attention at all to the Freebirds to be honest with you because that's when I was really seriously watching you know, watching wrestling and I'm a big MTV era yeah. Uh, person and so the, the crossovers to MTV were big and while they didn't go long that's when I was like hey who are these guys and then you know you start talking to other guys who've watched wrestling for a little bit longer or know a little bit more about uh, you know the previous wrestling prior to that era and uh, you know nowadays go back and watch a Freebirds match and yeah it's all oh. the hype is so big and oh, uh, you know the music being a, such a big part of it um, the show being such a big part of it uh, which is um, certainly a huge impact they've had on tag team wrestling throughout throughout the years I think I'll go next if we're going to kind of tend to go in like the uh, time periods of wrestling and knowing who you guys are talking about. And, um, you know, at first when I threw out this as our first topic and 
I started thinking so many names of different uh, tag teams popped in my head for so many different reasons. You know, and I started thinking of my favorite wrestlers and if they started in tag teams. So, you know, one of my favorite wrestlers uh, it was, was Shawn Michaels. And so I started thinking of the Rockers. But then you start thinking there's, you know, without the Rock and Roll Express, there's no Rockers. So then who's the better tag team? And then certainly longevity-wise, uh, the Rockers uh, weren't one that um, really popped out as the greatest tag team of all time. Uh, certainly had their time. Uh, but, uh, but of all time, I started thinking, okay, well, what about more modern? You know, I, I, like I said, I was uh, big uh, into the era of Nitro versus uh, uh, Raw and, and that era of things. And so a, a team that really popped in my head uh, was Edge and Christian. Um, and, you know, that team totally reeked of awesomeness. <laughs> and I, I see that, you know, I, I see a lot of the, the promos that they did and the hype they would get the crowd in a time when everyone was fighting, everyone on the car was fighting for time on TV, you know, and that's, that's your Russo era of, of writing for every single person on the card. And if you're getting that much time in the ring and that much time for your promos and that much time and getting a match and so much TV time in that era, you're obviously at the top of the, of the game. And, um, but both those guys went on to have tremendous singles careers uh, as well, and so I started thinking, well, yes, certainly they got started as a tag team, and, and um, but since they went on to be great singles wrestlers, I kind of thought, well, uh, you know, maybe maybe thinking about a, a tag team that didn't really do that as much, someone who really needed each other throughout their entire career to really get over, um, and so that led me to my choice, and that is uh, who I would reference as the Road Warriors, um, but. Uh, um, you know, of course, others would uh, call them the Legion of Doom um, as well, and uh, so that's kind of who I chose. And, and you know, to be just completely honest, it's it's one of the, I've had the opportunity throughout time uh, to meet a few wrestlers here and there, and I'm sure I'll name drop a few throughout some different episodes, and uh, and probably embellish the stories that go along with them uh, with those meetings. But I did have the unique opportunity to hang out uh, with the Legion of Doom, and I. Um, um, I guess, I'm guessing it's around 97-ish, uh, 96, 97, 98, somewhere in there. And uh, when I was working for a local hockey team and they came in to do a promo uh, to, up to um, uh, promote the upcoming event at Rupp Arena. And um, they asked you know, for someone to kind of show them all around Rupp Arena and then uh, shoot t-shirts with them to the crowd and, and stuff like that to help promote the upcoming event. And I was lucky enough to be chosen to do that. So I got to hang out with those guys for a little bit um, one day and talk to them and they were uh, extremely down to earth and uh, with me and they asked me you know why I liked wrestling and I told them uh, and they asked me who my favorite wrestler was growing up and uh, you know and I, the, I mentioned a few here and there but I said you know I always enjoyed their matches a lot and I always enjoyed watching them and I thought I would, uh, would grow up to be like them you know and I'd be a wrestler like them, but obviously at my stature, uh, I know you're listening and not seeing, but I did not grow into a road warrior by any means. And, uh, so the picture of me with them has them flexing their arms next to my head, and my head's about half the size of their arms. Um, but uh, they're monsters among men in real life, uh, and uh, just were super nice to me that day, and uh, told me stories and, and things like that. And um, it was a really, a really one of my favorite. Uh, meetings of all time when it comes to meeting uh, people within the business and um, getting to hang out with them and stuff like that and that was really awesome and um, so I have that one of the few pictures I keep in my office at work is is that picture um, and of that day because that was just 
just an awesome experience. But anyway, um, so I went with the Road Warriors, and I'm not talking about LOD 2000 uh, <laughs> or or things like I that. To touch that. Yeah, um, that's not that's not the not what I'm really talking about. Although that does show some of their longevity in the business and that and the, and the attempts to bring that that type of hype back uh, in. Uh, as the years went on, but I'm talking more of the scaffold matches with the matches with the Midnight Express type Road Warriors, or uh, you know that that's really what I'm I'm talking about uh, when I say the greatest tag team of all time, and what I think of when I think of real tag team wrestling. Um, so I'm talking, you know, obviously Michael who, uh, Hegstrand, who's Hawk, and uh, Joseph Larnitis, who's Animal. And I'm not talking, you know, I'm sure there. If you go and do some research, there's other people who come in and out of the Legion of Doom. Um, but the only other person I would include in that would be Paul Ellering. Yeah. I wouldn't include anyone but those three when it comes to talking about the greatest of all time. Um, certainly the addition of draws and things like that could have gone differently based on you know circumstances that, that came up after that. And it, it could have gone on and on, but, um, uh, but I'm really talking about that you know those matches like I mentioned with Midnight Express that really make me think of the Road Warriors. Um, both of uh, both the guys who went previous to me mentioned how uh, when you're known you're great when something in the business is named after you um, and obviously uh, the Road Warriors are no different in fact still to this day uh, if you get you know you're trying to reach a big crowd reaction in wrestling and Greg mentioned you know how do you measure greatness and obviously the crowd is one of those and uh, you can even look it up in the Urban Dictionary and uh, you can look up what's called a Road Warrior Pop and uh, not you know to use wrestling terms when the crowd goes crazy if you read that definition it says a loud roar of approval that a wrestler receives from the fans when making their entrance to the ring similar to the reaction that the Road Warriors received from fans in the 1980s so if you're comparing your the crowd reaction when they play your music walking out and the term is Road Warrior Pop, you'd have to say that puts them to the top of the list of um, in, in that category. That uh, when their music hit, when they stepped out behind the, from the curtain, um, the crowd would certainly uh, pop and, uh, and go crazy uh, for the Road Warriors. Um, so, and what's funny to me is that, uh, that, you know, when you look up a definition, they always have a sentence that goes with it, you know, like, uh, can you use it in a sentence type thing? And the sentence they list on the, um, on the Urban Dictionary is, AJ Styles got a Road Warrior pop when he made his WWE debut at the 2016 Royal Rumble. Um, and, you know, I can remember watching that particular Royal Rumble, it was obviously not that long ago, but I was watching that particular Royal Rumble, and, um, we didn't recognize the music because it was brand new music, you know, AJ Styles' new theme song in yeah, WWE. Yeah. But as soon as AJ walked, you know, the rumors had gotten out. There was a different, uh, different, obviously a different time in wrestling now, so the internet rumors get out really quick. But uh, everybody was ante anticipating AJ Styles coming out in that rumble. And when that music hit that nobody recognized, the crowd got really quiet. And then AJ walks out and boom, the place goes insane. Mm -hmm. And if, yeah. you know, that's, that's a huge, that's a huge arena on a huge stage. And um, so... If that's the, the crowd reaction is called a Road Warrior Pop, I think obviously guys in the business know that the Road Warriors were over uh, when it came to being uh, to the crowd. And, you know, you mentioned belts and so forth. And, of course, you know, a great tag team holds a lot of belts. And the Road Warriors were the champ pretty much everywhere they went. And, you know, I, looking through the – just going through the information, you know, trying to come up with being able to prove my point, there were titles, obviously, that 
I didn't remember that they held, but they held in, uh, in all Japan wrestling. They were the NWA Inter International Tag Team Champions one time. They were the AWA World Tag Team Champions one time. In Georgia Championship Wrestling, they were the NWA National Tag Team Champions four times. In Jim Crockett Promotions and World Championship Wrestling, they were the NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Champions three times, along with uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, Generico Tenaru. Um, and then NWA World Tag Team Champions one time, NWA Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup winners in 1986, the NWA Iron Team Tournament winners in 1989. And of course, they made their way to the WWF as the Legion of Doom and were the WWF Tag Team Champions two times. On top of that, Greg, you mentioned some kind of obscure uh, or lesser-known uh, promotions that uh, uh, maybe don't get the national permeation that some of the others, but they had the I-Generation Tag Team Champions twice, the IPW Tag Team Champions, PCW World Tag Team Champions, WWZ Tag Team Champions, and they were inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame of the class of 2011. So, you know, the other thing I would say that makes a great tag team is great matches. Uh, and, you know, matches that people think of when they think of the best matches of all time. Um, so if you're looking for a great LOD match, I, I'm thinking there are three that you have to see. So if, you, if you're one of those fans out there who's listened to these different tag teams and maybe you haven't heard of some of them, I hope you've heard of, heard of them. But if you haven't, you want to go back and watch some matches on the network. Um, my all-time favorite is the scaffold match with the Midnight Express at Starcade in, in 1986. And because nothing says 80s wrestling is like guys fighting on a scaffold over the <laughs> ring. Um, uh, and Hawk, he wrestled that match with a, with a really bad leg injury. He had suffered in Japan, and a lot of people uh, might not know that. But um, so he's climbing a scaffold and risking falling off, and he already has a leg injury before the match starts. <laughs> so um, you know, and those guys put in just amazing work in that match. And if you watch it, it's 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 something you'll never forget. At least I'll never, yeah. I never forgot it. Uh, another great Road Warrior match is uh, the Road Warriors versus the Steiner Brothers at Starcade 1989. I'd encourage you to check that out. Um, it's one where the Steiners win. Uh, the Road Warriors win the scaffold match, but Steiners win this match. Um, but all four guys in that match are just, uh, when it comes to big men in the ring, throwing punches, uh, you know, just putting it all out there on the line. And um, it's just, it's just, a, just a tremendous, tremendous match. Uh, um, so I would, I would encourage you to check that one out. Um, if you're looking for kind of a, a non-gimmick match that showcases the best of tag team wrestling, I'd say uh, maybe LOD versus Money Incorporated, SummerSlam 1992. I'd say that's, if you're wanting to look for the definition of old school tag team wrestling, um, in my opinion, uh, that's the match you go watch. And it's the show opener, so it's the very first match of that pay-per-view. And um, Money Inc. at that time is Ted DiBiase and IRS, with Jimmy Hart as their manager. So, um, you know, you can't beat a Jimmy Hart tag team either. Um, the Legion of Doom get a, a Road Warrior pop with their entrance alone. So if you're looking for that Road Warrior pop I talked about, that's a great one to go check out. And they also ride to the ring in motorcycles. So, um, you know, if you're talking about big entrances at big pay-per-views, and, you know, this is SummerSlam, so you're talking about one of the biggest and um, talking about great entrances, you know, their music playing, them coming down in, um, in the motorcycles. It's just something to, something to see. And uh, it's just a clinic on storytelling with hot tags, as Greg mentioned earlier, and, 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 and tag team wrestling, that's such a big thing. And, uh, you know, you're talking about isolating a guy on one side of the ring, and, um, and then, you know, he just uh, sells and sells and sells for days, and then you get that hot tag, and, and his partner comes in, uh, you know, to save him, and 
it's just it's just the story goes on and on and on. All four guys are just so impressive throughout throughout as every time that hot dog happens, you hear that crowd go crazy, and then LOD wins that match too. So if you're if you're wanting to watch, you know they win the scaffold match, they win that match. So you know the Steiner Brothers match is great at Starcade, but uh, in '89. But uh, if you're wanting to see LOD win win just a clinic and 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 uh, what I consider tag team wrestling, um, check out that one against Money Incorporated uh, uh, from back in SummerSlam '19. 92. Um, another thing I think of is, yeah, while there are, we talked about with um, the Rock and Roll Express that other tag teams come along and try to imitate a little bit along the way. I don't think anybody's been imitated more uh, than, than uh, LOD. Um, you know, the Road Warriors uh, gimmick is something that was a bit different at the time. And then, you know, as teams come along and they try to recreate that and you know, there's different stories that differ about uh, probably the most famous team, and that'd be Demolition, uh, that people would consider kind of a, a an attempted recreation of, oh, of the Road absolutely. Warriors. Uh, you know, the old stories being that Vince couldn't get the Road Warriors, so he made his own, and and things like that. And certainly Demolition, if you go back and watch some of their matches, they were they were solid too at times. Man, they they, they put on some really good matches uh, of that style of tag team wrestling, um, but. Uh, most people agree that they are a, a knockoff version of of the Road Warriors, and um, I don't want to take anything away from Demolition. Certainly, somebody could have chosen them for this and probably done a pretty good job of of selling it in some way, uh, based on their their match quality um, and the ability to probably the best attempted recreation of the Road Warriors for sure throughout the well, time. You but mean the Ascension isn't the best. <laughs> no, no, that's exactly what I, that's what I have written down right now. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the Ascension being a pretty, uh, a pretty solid recre attempted recreation that didn't get over uh, quite as well. Although, if you were to go back and watch NXT, they were over pretty well in NXT. It just didn't translate to the main card, and people pretty quickly um, saw them as, a, as an attempted recreation of LOD and didn't, didn't like it. But uh, even more current than that, the addition of Paul Ellering to the AOP was, an, in my opinion, an attempt to take two really big, strong guys and put them over as a tag team uh, unit with Paul Ellering, which would be, a, you know, a, a, in my opinion, an attempt to, to capitalize on the success of the Road Warriors as well. So um, I did look it up. I, I, I did actually look it up. I realized now that I met them in 1998, I believe, uh, looking at uh, pictures and stuff is uh, when I met them. And unfortunately, um, Hawk uh, would um, unfortunately leave us. Uh, soon after that, um, and uh, which obviously put um, you know Animal out there to work with other people uh, and try to keep the LOD name going uh, for a few years here and there. Um, but to me, the 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 Road Warriors are Hawk and Animal and and Paul Ellering, and without one of them, you don't have the true Road Warriors. So um, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, a little bit of sentimental there by, by getting to meet them and uh, and, and things like that and, and them being, uh, you know, so nice. And the other wrestlers have been tremendously nice to me as well. I could have picked the Nasty Boys and that, you know, are, uh, yeah, based just on that alone uh, if I wanted to. But, uh, um, I, uh, and, you know, I, I enjoy that style of wrestling. So the Nasty Boys are another uh, uh, team that I enjoyed watching. But when it comes to just the, the true impact on tag team wrestling I truly feel that uh, Hawk and Animal and Paul Ellering and what I call the Road Warriors uh, are certainly the top of the 
top of that. Tell me I'm wrong. Only Rick, I have to say, Road Warriors, you know, they were always one of my favorites growing up and everything. And so, and you always knew, you know, when you when when you had uh, was it Hawk that did the oh what a rush, you knew they they them coming out from behind that curtain was just like you said the Road Warrior pop. It was just it was amazing. And that, you know the fact that they that you know they they used a lot heavier music. They 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 used you know Black Sabbath. Iron Man right. as their as their first entrance, you know, and, and then and then kept going on on from there. So I mean, it really gave you an intimidating factor when they came out from behind there. So I mean, I, you know, yeah, they they, they, they definitely has to, has to be you know right there at, at the top. The only thing that I've got against the Road Warriors, and they check off everything, mm-hmm. and in big way, I I think they're probably nobody duplicated, imitated as much. Um, I saw a few things. Now, this may have changed as they got older, but when they started, they were hard to wrestle with because they were, what's the word, stiff? They were pretty stiff. And again, I watch a lot of old Memphis wrestling. Steve Kern and Stan Lane said when they went to the AWA, the Hawk and Animal did not want to sell or put them over at all. So maybe they got a little bit easier to work with. Uh, I don't know because I didn't follow their career a lot probably into the 90s but in the 80s uh, you know they could really because those guys could really they wanted to they could hurt somebody right and I, and I, think and I don't that, know if they got better at it or not yeah and I can I can see that especially um, you know the style of wrestling that they used was you know pretty smash mouth type oh, yeah. style of wrestling mm-hmm. you know these are these are monstrous people and um, you know and just them you know, laying one in on you would <laughs> would leave a mark for sure. So I could I could see where uh, certainly, and you know, it's the time of wrestling too, where when people are changing territories and you know it, it becomes pretty. Um, you know, I, I would can imagine it. You know, you, you want to be the top of your territory, and somebody coming in, you want to make them realize you're the you're the top. Yeah, you're so not willing to right. right. because and, being at the top meant more money. Right, yeah. and if and you know, and certain guys did it in different ways. And I can, you know, these are guys who were bouncers, exactly. you know, and they're before they were wrestlers. These are guys who were, you know, big, strong, uh, fighting guys before they ever stepped into a ring. And that's basically how they were discovered. And you know, and with uh, with promoters looking for big, strong, mean oh, yeah. uh, type of guys, and and that's how they were, you know, were discovered into the business. But I would say, you know, I don't know personally when it came to being stiff, but I would say later on in their career, and, and especially in WWE. F, they were used a ton to to get some guys over here yep. and there, mm-hmm. um, because a beat, beating the the Road Warriors meant something, mm-hmm. you know. And just talking about that Steiner Brothers match, That's you know insane. that yeah. that type of match. Of course, all four of those guys could probably be as stiff mm-hmm. as they wanted <laughs> at times. Uh, but man, you know, you you win that match, uh, you know, that means something. And I think that's another test of you know to any of these tag teams. If if you beat that team, if it means something, if it if it puts you over, if it makes the crap makes you believable, that's just a testament to that team. Well, and, and I did kind of get kind of along with that. You know, like I, I, I say, you know, I didn't realize that they. Uh, I thought they held the WWF WWE tag team team. I thought they held it more than that. But that that's credit to them. The fact they didn't have to have the titles to go to get over right. on the crowd. Their the reputation preceded them. You knew exactly who they were, but. Uh, you know, just a, a, a quick memory on it. You know, really, they're one of the f- 
probably the first tag team that I remember that had, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the other tag teams had big finishers and stuff, but they had a huge finishing right. move when Animal gets them, up, gets them up on their shoulder, Hawk comes off the top rope. You know, it was it was one of those finishing moves that you, you really knew when they hit that, it's over. You're right. not getting up. And when people do it still to this day, they still call it a doomsday device. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it's it, still exactly. there, you know, so. Let me say, maybe one of the most underrated managers ever Oh, is Precious Paul Elling. Oh, 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 oh they, they were amazing. Absolutely. He they was great. Amazing. When they're learning, and maybe I'm overstepping my bounds, but when they're learning, because they're really, I think, what they found, found by Ole Anderson. I, I, you know what? I, I read I, it, and I, I didn't know Minnesota, and they, they came into Georgia, but they didn't they didn't know how to talk. They didn't know they were stiff. Paul, Paul was great. Man. He's a great, and Paul was a good wrestler in Memphis. I remember yeah. Him in the late 70s, Paul Ellering got hurt, but he was a great wrestler and a bodybuilder. Man, he looked great, and, and so he could identify, but Paul was – Paul, the, 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 the guys say he really read the Wall Street Journal every day. He's very sharp, and he, he was – he just he, – I, I felt like he was a great manager, and I'm glad you said that. Without him, that it kind of yeah. – All right, well – that kind of takes us out of that era of wrestling and uh, kind of moves us uh, into a different style of tag team wrestling. Um, and we'll start that off with, uh, with Kevin, and he's going to tell us who he thinks is the greatest tag team of all time. Well, following all three of those, it's a really tough task because growing up uh, basically border of the South and watching all the South, Southern wrestlings and everything, I mean, the Royal Warriors, Rock and Roll Express, Freebirds, you know, I went out a little bit out of the boundaries here and not nearly as proud as my tag team, but looking at their achievements, I would think they were one of the top contenders because uh, they are gimmick tag team. Not uh, physical, you know, ready to, um, they'll brawl anybody, and that was the Dudley Boys. Um, they started back in, with ECW and Paul Heyman in 1996. And uh, they had held the uh, WWE title. They held uh, the Raw Tag Team titles, ECW, WCW, NWA, New Japan. Basically, the numbers are really astonishing, to be honest with you. How many times they actually won the championships. Like WWE, WWF, they were 18 times. They're in Impact Wrestling. They were 23-time world champions. Um, they had the catchphrase of, what's up? They had the phrase, uh, Devon, get the tables. You know, and it described to the crowd of, and they came out in the camouflage outfits and things that people were like, oh, we can live, we can almost turn to them. Because it was during the Stone Cold Steve Austin stage where um, they were in ECW and Stone Cold's WWF. And it was kind of like the bad boy type image. So they came in there and they started the Dudleyville. So there was a group of them. And then Devon and Bubba Ray separated for them, and then they became the ECW champions back in 96, 97. And then after that, they came over to WWE and was reigning there from uh, 99 to 2005. NWA, TNA, whichever one you wanted to call it back then, from 2005, 2008. New Japan, 2008, 2009. And then they went to TNA and they became the aces of eight. Then they formed the tag team championship then. Um, basically, I would think that this tag team was, they were good, they fought, 
they fought hard. They would fight anybody. They had the big uh, matches against uh, Edge and Christian, Degeneration X, the Hardy Boys, and they end up defeating all of them. They don't have the history background like the ones that were mentioned prior, but uh, they were also inducted to the Hall of Fame in, in 2018. So basically they were in the business from 96 to 2018. And uh, those were some of the ones why I chose the Dudley Boys. Not a huge fan, like I said, but I just think their numbers really can compete with some of the best ones. Because the crowds went crazy every time they would walk out as well. So that's why I picked the Dudley Boys. Now, Kev, I'm not going to bury you. Here, I know. I, was. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> we won't bury you yet. I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> on, on, because, not only because, but because. Mm, yes, yes. Uh, because numbers-wise, if you're looking at championships, you know, obviously a quick Google search will tell you that when it comes to <laughs> holding belts, the Dudley boys do it better than any other tag team. Um, that also means they also lose belts. More than any other tag team. But that also means <laughs> that they're being used to put over other tag teams at the top of the card. It means that um, you know, they, they walk into a promotion uh, in their era at the top of the list uh, you know, when, they, when they change promotions. Uh, we talk about ECW wrestlers. You know, if I'm looking at ECW wrestlers who came into the WWE and then had longevity and, and things like that, really the Dudley boys are your, your one that... You can say okay, and then they continued on beyond. Um, yes, yeah. You know, obviously RVD is another. It comes to mind, but if you're talking tag team wrestling, you know, uh, you know, Dudley Boys are one that came over and 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 were able to do a gimmick. You know, they were even stuck with kind of a bad gimmick to start out with the stuttering and and, and the glasses and things like glasses. that, and and were able to and you know, dance. Oh, he'll really dance moves. Exactly. Hands, and and I'll be honest, you know, Bubba Ray is is a guy who can almost get anything over. Yeah. And uh, you know he can he can get a gimmick over and 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 carry it that way. And then Devon comes in as as one of you know if you're looking for guys who are great tag team wrestlers, meaning that they they can play off their um, they can be that you know kind of second fiddle. And then when it comes to the um, to the show you know side of it, but then bring the wrestling in the ring uh, part of it. Uh, Devon certainly. Is, is that kind of guy that can just... Uh, Who was the third guy? That Spike? Was a, the there was a Spike. Spike? Spike. Yeah. I don't know if that helps. There was another guy I looked in the research, too. Yeah. Uh, gosh, what was Stacy Keebler was with them, yeah, too. And yeah, and Trish Stratus was with them at one time, too. Which hell, I would help was, over... Uh, LeMonico. Be... LeMonico and uh, Hughes was with them, in, first of all, in ECW. So there was like four of them, and then Bubba and Billy Ray, yeah. Bubba Ray were like at the end of them, and then they. I'll just say from this: them. I'm not a big fan. I'll try not to rant about ECW. I think I probably set us back. I forget <laughs> about. Well, well uh, Kev mentioned Dudley, <laughs> Dudleyville, yeah, Dudley. and and you know one thing but to they're do. They're the most. You're right. right. They're the most successful right. ones, when you, graduates. When, right. Of ECW. And when when you do something in ECW, like have a big group of people of like Dudleyville, and then you just. Pull Move two on. people out Absolutely. and make them a tag team in another in the you know the biggest federation, and they're able to get over for a long period of time. And then you even mention things like wrestling the Hardys or Edge and Christian, and 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 while that is some of that ECW style as it blended into WWF at the time with the tables, ladders, and chairs matches and things like that. Um, in a time when buy rates were based on getting you know that type of attention, mm-hmm. those six guys are the six guys who who brought it. Were they together in ECW, the same two? Yes. And yes. they just came right over. They came right over. 
Right. And then uh, and Spike was with him there too. Spike was in ECW. Spike was in ECW. That's too. another thing ECW was giving us. <laughs> Thank you. One thing I will, I will give the Dudleys, you know, credit for is uh, uh, is really is the fact that you know in true tag team style, similar to Rock and Roll Express, Road Warriors, and uh, and the Dudleys, really if you if you if you kind of look at it, you know, uh, on a on a tag team, if you if you separate them, how much how much success did they really have? Now, Bubba Ray, hey, hey, Bully Ray, Bully did, Ray. Did, did do okay, you know, in, in TNA. But Devon kind of dropped off the face of the of the earth for 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 a little while with, 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 without him. And so I think that's, that's kind of a testament to, to a true tag team. I mean, you know, with me, you know, having the Freebirds, they had they also had single success, you know, each one of them. Mm-hmm. But the, the the others, you know, in true tag team style, you know, they the they they have to rely on each other uh, to 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 be that that success and to get over on the crowd. And I think another thing is you know looking at the different tag teams is is just that. But like as you always associate those two wrestlers together or that yes. group of wrestlers together mm-hmm. for you know and and yeah you know Bubba Ray was able to have some success here and there. But I, I still think every time somebody saw a, a Bully Ray match, they thought you know where's Devon? Yeah, when's he coming in? When's Devon coming in? When's he coming in? So. Um, yeah, I'd certainly say uh, when it comes to modern tag teams and, um, you know, the, the Dudley boys are up there and, uh, you know, promotions trust them with their belts and, and, tr- and, and trust them to get over and, and they do. Well, they and and they, they're, they, they are somewhat of a, a, a big part of a pay-per-view that still goes on today, uh, and that's TLC. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have that, yeah. You've got something named after you, you know, on that. And so that's a huge thing. I agree. Well, we have one left. Um, this spot's usually uh, uh, taken by a guy named uh, Jason Gary, who will join us hopefully next time, um, but is unable to be here. So stepping in for him uh, today is is Michael, and Michael's going to uh, has the the toughest task probably of all, and that is that this is Jason's tag team that he chose. But uh, Michael's going to do his best to argue as to why the, the tag team that Jason chose is the best of all time. So, Michael, tell us what you got. So, I have the one of the two other thirds of TLC <laughs> in um, the Hardy Boys. Um, and their history here, they start up the Trampoline Wrestling Federation. There's a Trampoline Wrestling Federation. I don't know if they fight on trampolines, but there is a trampoline Man, wrestling thing. If I'd only known. <laughs> <laughs> There's a trampoline wrestling association. I don't know if they jump off of balconies into oh, pools what, what, or whatever. If they don't, if they don't, they're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they've held 12 uh, championships throughout Impact, Ring of Honor, WWE. WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, WWE whatever tag team championship they're feeling that week. Um, they, uh, independent circuit, they got their name brought up mostly in, um, NWA in 2000. Um, 1998, they worked uh, for WWE as jobbers, so they'd be the local contestant who'd just go out there and get clobbered by whoever on any given night. 
Um, but they, yeah, they've still active-ish. Uh, Jeff has a leg injury right now, keeping them from competing. Um, they've done things outside of the Hardy Boys in one, um, but they've always kind of come back together, and, yeah. I actually remember I, I was uh, watching a, a Shotgun Saturday Night. Do you remember that show? WWF Shotgun Saturday Night. Was that on USA Network? Or? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I, I, I thought it was Correct. on a, I thought it was a one NBC, that was syndicated. NBC. Yeah, I think NBC. It was, I think it was syndicated. Late night. It was after Saturday. It kind of so, tried to recreate Saturday Night's main event. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's what it was. And, In a smaller uh, venue. Yeah. And I was watching an episode of it, and, and these two guys come out, and they had on like plaid pants. And it was, it was, they were called the Hardys. And um, it was it was it was uh, Matt and Jeff. And, uh, they were they were they did job for that match. Obviously, they they were putting someone else over. I can't remember who they were putting over. But I can remember seeing that match and thinking, the the type of wrestling they were doing was different. You know, it was like, you know, like I mentioned Shawn Michaels before. It was like watching two Shawn Michaels. You know, instead of it being mm -hmm. like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a Shawn Michaels and, and then Janetti coming in and, and doing. Uh, um, you know, his style of having two different styles of wrestling to make a tag team. It was whoa. These both these guys are. Are uh, are flipping and flying and, and going, uh, uh, you know, 100. percent Yeah, they put some of the other team over, probably you know, a known team on that on that episode. But at the time, but then I wouldn't see them, you know, obviously again until they debuted um, later on on the on the main card. And when they did, I could always think back to that match. So I was like, wait a second, I saw these guys, you know, in a match when they were unknown and they're just a random name like you said and, and you know build them from wherever they are or whatnot. Do they still do that today? Um, what? Do they still do that? Bring like locals in. Oh yeah. Them. Right now it's they big, still big, do. You know, Braun Strowman and people like that, all these guys that, that Braun Strowman beats up, you know, in these matches or the AOP beats up in a in a squash type match or guys from the local federation. Uh -huh. But you can go back and find the same thing with AJ Styles in WWE. You can find matches oh, yeah. where they've picked him up for a night or two and he wrestles as a chance. Back before like NXT they would do that to have a guy come in and work because he was kind of known in the area. Hey, bring this guy in and, and have the guys watch him right there at, at you know in the undercard against a big time wrestler and can he hold his own but um his tryout for him. right mm -hmm. and that's that's what i saw with the hardys on shotgun that time and it was it was uh, it was a good match and I, I remembered it and then when they showed back up later on and of course had huge success success um in the tag team ranks and they get a huge you, know, you hear that music the, the original hardy boys music come on and, oh, and everybody's head starts bobbing and now hands go up and yep. uh rock you know like and they you just know it and yep. you and you talk about yeah i mean swan tom bomb people still do that same move they call it a swan tom bomb every time you know and, and you think of jeff hardy when they do it or um and then but this out of the tag teams we've talked about when it comes to guys going out on their own and having success the hardys are certainly a, a tag team that have been able to do that. Both have been pushed all the way to the top of the cards in different yeah. federations as singles wrestlers. Yeah. Both have held yeah. major titles as singles wrestlers. Both have got, you know, Jeff probably sticks with a, you know, a fairly similar gimmick to the Hardys, of course, with the adding addition of the face painting and right. and things like that. Whereas Matt has put on, you know, changes into completely different characters. Hey, and gets oh, there's, there's, there is some, there's, there's some. You think of Matt being trusted enough that they take WWE production to his house to, to film something, you know, to, right. that he's his ideas and and to try to, you know, to get his other character over and, um, you know, that things like that just show you that I really feel like.
you know Matt is is current wrestling has a pulse on what people want to see and, and the production style of it and and getting you know this to get people to believe in what I think of in wrestling is that character yeah and mm-hmm. man if you can get a character like Logan Mac Hardy over and people and people like you say want it to move from federation to federation in today's world of wrestling I think you're really doing something I don't know if I put them at the top of the list of all-time tag teams um, and maybe that's some of that's because I think of them as also singles wrestlers Right, right. Uh, so much, but that's just a tribute to them. And that's why I left Edge and Christian off my list, even though I think that is a good argument for them. And those are the, your three teams from TLC mm-hmm. that, in modern tag team history, everybody is looking for that type of. Series. I think we could, uh, you know, when I started thinking about tag teams, we didn't list. Um, is there, you know, I mentioned a couple of the ones that I thought of, like as the Midnight Express, or like every single one of us have mentioned the Midnight yeah, Express. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, fabulous one. Uh, but as I, you know, as I talk, talk about the Steiner brothers, you know, yeah. I think of those guys, you know, as being, you know, maybe because Scott Steiner went on to such, you know, big uh, singles success later on that maybe, it, you know, that, that's kind of one of the reasons I, I shied away from them a bit. But man, you know, I don't know if there's a better tag team wrestler than Rick Steiner. While Samoans were yeah. good, and yeah. then you look at all the people that not that literally came from their family line, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they literally, you yeah. know, they but the while Samoans Once. were a great, they were really a great tag team yeah. that goes even you know back further into the 70s, but yeah, they were they were they were something. And, Je- and Kev mentioned the Moon Dogs, uh, I came across their name over and over and over as, as matches. As, you know, great tag team. Every matches. time you looked up, it was on, they were on there. They're on there. And <laughs> they, they, they were one of those teams that they, they kind of helped get get the other guys over, and right. so that they, they didn't yeah. they didn't they didn't you know really you know ascend to the top because because of the fact they were okay with with who they were and just saying. Well, well they had a big them. run before they were actually in the old WWF. Vince McMahon Senior. They had uh-huh. a big run there before they came to Memphis. Memphis. And I don't know if it was the same two. Uh, Randy Colley and Larry Latham. It was Randy Colley and Larry Latham, and uh, Randy Colley just passed, passed away just a, two, three weeks ago. Wow. And I don't remember who was Rex and who was Spot. <laughs> but they were, they, they were really, really good and mm-hmm. just did stuff everywhere. You know, and, and like you and that said. That goes back to watching them when we were scared to death when they came out. Oh, yeah. music, talking about oh. the music. And they came out, and me and Greg were like, whoa, what you we know, going on here? And I didn't even put it together that Larry Latham was a part with the Honky Tonk Man of a team that I watched two or three years earlier. They had me believing that he really was some crazy guy roaming around in a swamp somewhere, you know. He, he, was, he was part of the Blonde Bombers just a few years before that. I didn't recognize him. And so they, uh, they were a good, good heel team and a and, uh, uh, good gimmick. Good gimmick. I think it's kind of wild, Rick, when you sent this text out to, to all five of us. We all picked five different styles of wrestling. Right. All yep. five of us picked something totally different. Right now, and I was totally different. I was, uh, you know, I was worried that I, I didn't. When I sent it out, I didn't want to pick first because I didn't want right. to be like, "Hey guys, we're going to talk about tag teams, and, <laughs> and I want to you, yeah. 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 you can't have them." Yeah. So I waited for a couple to pop up, and then I like grabbed the. Uh, uh, Legion of Doom, but none of the ones that popped up before me were ones that I, w- I was going to pick. They were names that I thought of as great right. tag teams, but they weren't ones that I would uh, was going to pick to try to argue for. So it was interesting that you know everybody jumped in and, and said different things, you know, and um, 
you know, I just it's it's interesting that when you think maybe maybe people think of different things. They think of tag team wrestling, or 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 maybe they think of just what you know they enjoy. It's also interesting that some of you pick guys that. You said aren't your favorite, weren't your favorite to watch, but nope. but you just respect as as what they gave to the business and um, you know and and just thought of them as a great tag team. And each one of them right now, important like Greg was saying, has got to the highest point. Now the Hardys are definitely gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Oh yes, the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, they'll definitely get them, but the other four are already in there. Right. So. Yeah, and and while you know there are you know obviously that is the pinnacle of, of Hall of Fames. When it comes right. to, to this business, it's, it does tell a lot to the ones who didn't spend a ton of time winning matches at, at, in those federations that are yeah, right that are well. that are in those um, they get that accolades and, and I think that the, obviously the network being around nowadays and people getting to watch a lot more of those matches from the past helps uh, people draw just, draw people. I, I have a respect for the WWE that they are showing some of these other and acknowledging that uh, we did have a life you know there was life before and, that yeah and we you know in, in territory same. wrestling yeah yes and so and the rock and roll express you know being able to be honored by them i think that was a nice move mm-hmm. and it was very respectful you know for them to and i think that speaks to their you know uh the the people in the business mm-hmm. really caring and Respecting them and loving them, and and uh, you know, I'm very thankful for that. I remember that ceremony when, you know, it wasn't that long ago. I watched the the Ricky Morton, uh, the speeches and stuff. And to me, that night, that they kind of stole the show. Um, you know, it, the, the crowd was super excited to see them, and uh, you know, now they're holding belts again. <laughs> I would have thought it. I would have thought that's a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little scary. Yeah. Well, um, I guess that does it for this uh, episode of King of the Cast. Uh, we'll let everybody out there in the in the interwebs check it out, and then uh, go make sure you go to um, at King of the Cast on Twitter and vote in our poll to see who you feel like uh, argued their point the best. And give us some feedback as well, as well as maybe mm-hmm. even tell us who you think your greatest tag team of all time is and uh, prove that we're wrong. Because that's what kind of the internet is about these days, right? It's telling people that they're wrong. Right. So <laughs> might as well join the join the crowd. But um, anyway, that does it for this episode of King of the Cast. And uh, in, our, in our next episode, we, we will reveal who won our poll. And then that person will get to pick the topic. So uh, come and check that out with us next time. So thank you guys. That was a blast. Thank you. Thank you.